Hello and welcome to The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them to ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy, and today, as always, we've got an amazing guest, a former actor, fitness trainer, healer, businessman, Sean Draben. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent, David. Thank you for uh, having me on your on your podcast. Excellent. Yeah. So how do you go from acting into the, the fitness world into kind of more the healing aspect of things now? And, and of course, business wise, you're, you're doing some pretty amazing things with the, with the products that, that you, you've got out there. What, what's kind of been your journey along this? Uh, <laughs> it's been a lifelong journey. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, looking back, um, you try to I'm turning 50 this year and you look back and see, you know, what, what took me to this place and throughout the trajectory of, you know, each decade and right <laughs> at the time, not really understanding when I was younger, why I wanted to be an actor, right? Like what, what's the drive there? You don't think about that um, when it's happening, at least when you're you know a teenager or in your twenties. And that's kind of when it found me, I was always surrounded by people in the industry, um, you know, friends of mine who were always doing different TV shows and movies and commercials. And, you know, at first you're like, oh, I want to do that. That seems like fun, you know. Um, but uh, I didn't really dip my toe in it until um, college. And okay. yeah. And so thankfully I had a, a, um, a good acting coach in college who said, you know, I think you can have a career at this. And what I understand now why he said that was my, just my connectedness to my emotions um, and my ability uh. to be vulnerable, um, whether that vulnerability is anger or sadness or grief or visiting dark sides, you know, um, it was just easy for me to access. And so that was kind of really the beginning of my healing journey without really knowing that that's why I was, you know, on that path. I had a lot of pain to heal that I didn't even know I had. And, okay. uh, and that process, after a couple of years of working with some private coaches and getting an agent and getting out and auditioning, uh, I had found out that I had heart disease. No and way. Yeah, that's a really big kind of hit to an 18-year-old ego <laughs> who wants to be this, you know, uh, big-time actor, you know. And um, in the end, it was, you know, a very interesting um, transition because I had to really um, dial back. I had to stop going to school. I had to stop being intimate with my girlfriend. I had to stop doing everything that I identified as my life that was pleasurable and fun and gave me purpose for living as an 18 year old. Wow. Um, yeah, it was pretty intense. And so they put me on a couple of medications. And as you know, you know, for a lot of people, medications are, don't cause side effects. And for others, they cause lots of side effects. And um, and so I had uh, quite a few um, that were affecting me as far as sleep and mood and erectile dysfunction and all that oh, kind wow. of stuff. And that's not great to experience uh, when you're just, you know, into college and you got a girlfriend who you adore. And, and um, but uh, that led to a surgery I had at age 21 to repair my mitral valve and aortic valve. I had a phenomenal okay. surgeon. Yeah, at UCLA. He was actually the head of cardiothoracic surgery and the head of heart transplantation at UCLA. Um, and at the time in 94, he was one of the best in the country. And he did a beautiful oh, wow. job, repaired, repaired both heart valves. Uh, hmm. had a nine hour operation that was scheduled for four. And that <laughs> lets you know how much worse it was when they actually got inside. Um, but also lets you know what type of a perfectionist my surgeon was because I told him I'm not doing this again. So I want it to be perfect. And he right. did a beautiful job. Yeah. And, huh. and so that was kind of like the beginning of healing my body and going through all of that. But I was still kind of lost in my life. You know, I was, I was a personal trainer at the time. I got certified at age 18 at the same time when I started, you know, acting and I wanted to be a personal trainer. Really. I just enjoyed fitness and health and wellness. I enjoyed helping people achieve their goals. And it made me feel, it filled me up. It made me feel good about myself. Um, and as I discovered going through that process and my surgery and the recovery is, you know, I still felt like I was searching out. I didn't notice at the time, but looking back, I was, I was trying to fill myself up with doing things externally to make myself feel good about myself, not recognizing that I really, 
wasn't loving myself and didn't wasn't even connected consciously to that at all, even after my surgery. And so through my 20s, as I'm going through that, um, I decided to um, quit being a personal trainer for a little bit and head off to Europe. Um, okay. My, at the time, it was very not easy to get medication. So when I was uh, with my cardiologist, he said, well, you're healthy enough to, to go travel if you want to. I'll give you as much medication as you need, samples-wise, which you could do back then. Um, and I got a year's worth of, of medication to kind of take me. And I went to go find myself, you know, and, you know, and ended up doing other, not stupid things, but um, um, things that really don't matter, such as, oh, well, let's maybe I'll do some modeling out there. You know, it's, again, it's back to the ego, right? I'm trying to fill myself up. So a part of me right. says, well, I want to go find myself. But at the same time, I want to, <laughs> I'm going to go be a model, which was the funniest thing was it was the biggest slap in the face, because if anyone who's been in the industry knows how difficult that industry is, especially if you're taking off to go to Europe. Uh, which is where all the competition is, but that's also where you have to go to, they call it building your book, you know, your portfolio of photos and doing runway shows and all these things like that. And, um, you know, uh, I was like, well, I can do this. You know, I don't, I don't need an agency, agency back at home. I'm 26. I'm actually an old guy for the industry. You know, I can do this. And every door got slammed in my face, you know, for about nine months. And I was actually personal training out there to stay alive and support myself that first year and by the time i got to milan i actually did start to model and then had some pretty decent success um you know doing runway and print and things of that nature and got to live in paris and milan in germany so i, I did get to kind of experience that but it was still so void and not that it, it has to be void and empty because anything you do can be full of richness you know and um contextualized with beauty and all, all types of wonderful experiences but because Absolutely. of where I was, it, it became and stayed very shallow. But I got to my darkest days when I was there, right? I was alone. I didn't really have many close friends. I was really depressed in the wintertime. I had no idea. I knew nothing about seasonal affective disorder, you know, with with hard winters and not getting sunshine and sunlight. So, and so where did you move out from then? I, I'm so I was, you know, I, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. Okay. Yeah. And so I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. So you were and used to the constant sunshine, yeah. <laughs> it's constant sunshine. And here I go, you know, I moved to London, of all places, the first place I went to, and not knowing that's the hardest market to break into. That's like the New York of Europe. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, I mean, it was just, you know, I was in that survival place. But the great thing about depression, um, and I don't, I can't say what the severity was, but it wasn't good, but it wasn't horrible. Right. It was that yes. chronic maze that chronic just like self-loathing you know i'm not good enough i'm not gonna and all that stuff started to come out right like and i, I think that's important to say though like that yeah. it wasn't horrible in the state that uh, it was debilitating but how many people are going through life in that state and right like well and the interesting thing was i had to remove myself from my family and my life as i knew it in order to connect to the depression that that or the void or right. voids that had always been there okay right like for me that was my journey not everybody has to leave to go do that but it was like i had to be in this completely foreign environment to mm -hmm. take everything away that i know right to recognize i'm not happy with myself right yeah. And so that began the process that was and that being alone allowed me to look back at my life and nothing horrible happened to me, David, you know, it's not like I had bad parents, um, but it's how we interpret things. Right. So right. I was a latchkey kid in the eighties and um, which basically just means both parents are working. And, you know, when you get home from yeah. school, you're alone from basically one o'clock until 6 PM and you, you know, eight years old, I'm doing my own laundry and making my own food. My, I had an older brother who was 12. So it wasn't like, you know, they just kind of left me there. But during that time, it's like you don't realize all the things that you witness, the the lack of communication between the parents and how that affects uh, you. Um, or the arguments around money that didn't happen a lot. It might be three or four sentences that would happen once every two months, but how that affects you, right? And how you look at the world and how you fit in it. And I was always out with my friends because I didn't want to be around that tension, even though nobody was fighting. Everybody's more passive aggressive and quiet and very loving. They always told me they loved me. They cared about me. They, you know, they, they were great parents, but I didn't know how much those things were 
affecting me and my mental health, right? Right. And how I view yeah. myself in the world. So, you know, fast forward back to my late 20s while I'm in Europe, these are the things that start coming forward. And then I start to see the world through a different lens, right? The United States through the lens of England oh, and yeah. Western Europe and Eastern Europe and realizing like, whoa, I only have a very limited perception of, of what the United States is like and what our information is like, right? Yeah, and, isn't that the amazing thing about traveling is just that opening of, of different perspectives and yeah, and it is absolutely, yeah, builds it's, you. It, it, it's crazy. So that was the beginning of my healing journey, right? So when I came back to the States, um, I was, it was funny. I came back to the States and now I was actually more upset with my parents, right? Like, because <laughs> now I'm 28 and I'm moving back home, like literally into their home because, oh, you know, yeah. I that didn't have a savings for those couple of years. I was just trying to get by and live and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I had some great times, but it was, uh, I'd say half that time I was, you know, really in that rough, rough patch, rough right. space. Now, did you... Did you experience what I call reverse culture shock? So you've gone gone over into another country, and then yeah. when you come back, you've changed, but everything seems to be the same. And it's almost more of a shock to the I system because you don't expect it. Uh-uh. I, 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 I did not like coming back. I right. came back to L.A. smog. I can't, not that Milan didn't have its own smog, but it was just right. L.A. smog, right? And... <laughs> You know, my parents are the same people they were. I know I'm different. I don't know how I'm different yet at this point, but I know I'm different. And they're irritated. Anything they say, the sounds they make, their mannerisms, I'm like highly irritated, you know? Um, (laughs) I was happy to see my friends and my friends were really excited to see me. And, And the one thing they said is, you know, we don't know what's different about you, but you're different. Yeah. And my next question was, is that a good thing? And they said, oh, it's a, it's a great thing. We just can't really pinpoint it. I said, okay, well, good. <laughs> At least it's a good thing. <laughs> At least I got something out of, you know, the struggle, right? Kind of right. coal, the pressure on the, on the piece of coal is what makes it a diamond, right? That's, that's that pressure of life. And, you know, um, so I got back into personal training again. And okay. in that aspect, you know, when I was doing that, I, I wanted, I, I got bored doing regular personal training. I just... Again, I, I was still not knowing what I needed yet, but now I knew that I couldn't use it as a crutch to feel good. Uh, so then I started to meet people in the energy medicine space, right? Okay. And going a little more on the um, etheric, you know, kind of um, energy healer thing, you know, area that a lot of people might be closed off to, but that's the more kind of woo-woo side of energy medicine is where I went first because I just had met a lot of people who were known to be, you know, clairvoyant or healers or do, you know, do energy work. And, and I, when I met people in that field and I started to work with them, they really helped unlock a lot within me. And I started to recognize why I was not happy in my life, why I wasn't fulfilled. And so as I started to learn these tools from these different teachers, and by the way, um, I also went back to acting at the same time as well. And my acting okay. coach happened to be, have a master's in spiritual psychology. So huh. between the tools that she got getting her master's um, and the tools I got from these energy healers and clairvoyants and, and teachers and learning how to understand my energy system and what that means to me and how to um, fill myself up with my own love, how, you know, self-forgiveness, um, you know, different types of things like that. And, and to really be able to let go of what was holding me in these patterns, um, I started to find the value in all these tools. And so my clients were saying to me, hey, what, what are you doing that's different? Because, yeah, you're different since you've been back from Europe, but you're like, I mean, you're glowing. You know, you're right. smiling, you're happy, you're not just running me through the motion, you're not checked out. And I was like, great. I didn't realize they knew I was checked, kind of <laughs> checked out, but I was like their son, right? Or their best friend. Like, you know, you spend a lot of time with fitness clients. I see the average client I'd see three hours a week. And that was more than my own parents, right? So you really... And and not just that, you're just by doing things with other people, you're building a strong bond. Like, and you're doing basically develop work. Like you're taking somebody who's not feeling good about their their own body and training their body to, to once again, 
feel and look in some cases yeah. and just be better. And that really develops that bond between the, the trainer and the, and the client as well. Yeah. I was happy to know that even while phoning it in, so to speak, that they were still getting yeah. a lot of benefit because they had me come back. There's something okay. that they were getting from it. Right. Right. And so I started to teach them first the tools I was learning in acting class. I said, well, let's try this. Let's see if you like this. And it was, I was able to help them emotionally as well. But what made it different this time was I'm not trying to heal them to make myself feel better. I'm already filling myself up with my own sense of self-love, self-esteem, self-value. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, been, I've been deep in the forgiveness work for a good year or so. You know, I'm really, and so now I'm enjoying showing up more because I can now see in them the pieces that they were missing outside of the fitness part. So there were people that would constantly get injured, even though they're doing things properly, but I would mm -hmm. help take them through guided meditations and through, you know, guided imagery. And they got to source things that were impeding them, that were literally causing them to get injured or repeat injuries or repeat gastrointestinal distress or repeat irritability or lack of sleep, whatever their issue was, I was, I just had, I realized I had had a gift to guide people through what I took myself through. Gotcha. So what were some of these tools, uh, besides kind of the meditation aspect that you were doing in the kind of the energy work then at that point in time? Um, on the metaphysical side of tools? Yeah. Sure. Um, I mean, th that would take a long time to go into, but in a general sense, the first thing I ever learned was um, the chakra system, right? So we have okay. these different bundles of nerves uh, on the uh, the allopathic aspect of talking about this <laughs> or the more <laughs> analytical side of talking about this is that we have different areas where there's lots of these different bundles of nerves that there's a lot of energy. And so when you do acupuncture, you have chakras all through the body of thousands of them, but you have main ones that people talk about. And we have what, what we know is the seven physical chakras that start from the rectum and go up to, you know, the top of your head. And then you have what are called the etheric chakras, which are actually outside the physical body and they match the 13 dimensions. So the way, and not that this is the truth or the reality, this is just what I've been mm -hmm. taught and it right. feels right to me. So don't, nobody has to accept what I'm talking about, but it's interesting <laughs> to, to think about is that there are um, 12 dimensions and then the 13th dimension of which everything spawns from, right? So it's the 13 chakras representing all 13 um, dimensions and that your 13th is what they would call your pure source connection, right? And so as you take a body um, in the womb, um, the, these energy centers develop first before the heart ever develops. And then, um, you know, the spirit takes the body and, you, you know, again, what I've been told, and it feels true to me, you kind of choose your location and your parents and you kind of come on in. But the first things that develop are these chakras. And it, so it starts on the etheric quantum side before it becomes physical, right? All energy starts as energy before it physicalizes, whether it's a human body, um, whether it's a body of water, whether it's the stars, the universe, everything starts as a vibrational energy. And then the density of that energy is what brings it into physical form. So we start etheric and then we work our way down into the physical and then the physical body is able to now develop beyond just cells. And as it grows, you now have a physical body and, and eventually you take that body, you have a heartbeat and all those things happen beautifully. So that's kind of what I learned about it first and what each chakra represents. So every right. chakra or physical chakra as well as etheric uh, and the etheric work with the physical, you know, so I learned about that and I learned yeah. how to give myself a healing basically, right? Which basically all that means is I'm, uh, we're giving up energy all the time and you want it to be reciprocal. In other words, we want to be able to, uh, we want to be able to allow ourselves to receive as we give the energy. Yes. And it's, otherwise we're going to burn out, right? That's what burnout mm -hmm. is. You're constantly giving, 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 doing, 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 and not getting anything back in return or getting very little back in return. You're right. spending more than you're, than you're yeah. getting. And so yeah, I learned it's that's fascinating. Of... You've said so many great things. And like, if we <laughs> wanted to, to take it more analytical is basically yeah. we all have receptors that then go into nerves and then go into basically bundles of nerves. And these bundles you called chakras and you mentioned that. But the interesting thing is, yeah, people kind of think of energy work as kind of this foo-foo stuff or whatever. But if you think about it, 
basically the receptor is going to pick up on any frequency that hits it. So frequency of light into the eyes, frequency of vibration from, from touch is all going to fire that receptor at that frequency, which goes into the brain. And we measure these in brain waves. So basically that next part is going to be the same frequency as the outside world. And basically we're this vessel for everything that's coming in from the universe. And we can take it into the most spiritual or the most analytical views, but the you thing can't is separate that, them. You can't no, separate you can't. The, the physical reality from the quantum, right? It's like trying right. to uh, separate an electrical field from a magnetic field. It can't be done. Right. Exactly. You know, they're, they're just yeah. two, two sides of the same coin. And it's interesting that you say that too, right? I, I had started to learn at that time. I was teaching these things that, you know, we have, we have tools to measure the heartbeat, you know, 12 feet off the body. Right. I mean, we actually have this energy field and it creates a toroid. We even know what it looks like, this torus, right? So even the earth, the earth has a toroid field where it goes out one pole, right? I think it's out right. the North Pole, comes around the earth and back up into the South Pole. I'm not sure if I could have that flip, but it's this, this torus, this toroid field. And our heartbeat gives that off and it, and it can be measured feet. I mean, we're talking about 10, 12, 14 feet away and even brain waves can be measured um, not even just from the brain, but externally, but yes, even whether it's internal or external, it's a frequency or a wavelength that we're measuring. Right. Right. And so we now have these tools to measure the unseen. And what I always tell people is no matter how skeptical you are, you have to understand something very fundamental. Okay. If you just focus on the visit on the, on the visible spectrum of light, we can only see, I don't know the exact amount, but it's less than half of 1%. Okay. Less than half of 1% of visible light we can perceive and see. So that tells us that more than 99.5% of visible reality is invisible to us. <laughs> That's crazy, right? That is. So me, I tell people, just keep that as an open mind. You don't have to believe, but you know, maybe there is something else out there or there's more to life than we understand that allows us to live in this dimensional reality. Right. Um, so, you know, so these are the kind of things I, I would teach my clients and how to fill themselves up through those chakras and to help mm -hmm. them feel strong and whole and and loved internally by themselves because the more they fill themselves up the more they can give right. and so those were the things i started to do there and that's when i got into the magnetic field therapy about um eight years nine years after that into my early 30s well meh, mid 30s uh okay. no not even that i'm almost 50. Late, thir <laughs> I was almost, <laughs> I was 38, 30, uh, 39 when I first it's picked up. It's amazing how years can kind of get, get uh, blurred over, over the time period though. Yeah. yeah. So that, so I was kind of being, you know, my clients didn't know what to call me. So they start to say, well, he's kind of like a modern shaman, you know, it's like, he's got this little <laughs> toolkit of different tools and he's just really good. And I started to develop my, my own intuition, my own intuitive sense, my own level of clairvoyance, right. Where I could really hone in on what that client needed. I would just know. And I think right. that that's what differentiated me from a regular personal trainer. Not that regular trainers aren't amazing, but I wanted to differentiate myself. I just didn't know how. And then it happened through the blossoming of my life. It took me, I allowed it to take me on this trajectory to discover, okay, well, who am I? What does bring me joy? So right. it, it was all the same things I was doing before, but from a different place, from a more filled up place, a more complete right. Place. Now, during this time, too, your your acting career starts to pick up a bit, too, doesn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I start to do um, a number of short. I did a lot of short films. You know, again, I didn't really have the I had a lot more confidence than I did when I was younger. I was starting to receive scripts from my agent with that's a big deal when you're an actor. You know, it's one thing to get right. your what they call your sides, which is like, you know, maybe anywhere from one to five pages of dialogue that you have to know for an audition. It's another when you start getting scripts because you're up for a series regular role. <laughs> that's like, that's a whole different level of terror, you know, um, right. because it I was constantly be. doing more of the smaller parts, you know, in um, in short films and also in features that never got theatrical release. Uh, we do more of the festival circuit. So to go from like one part to like all of a sudden you're auditioning against some people that you've admired for a long time and you're seeing them because you're going in to do a screen test, you know, with other actors. It's, I, you know, it, it was terrifying. And I actually, I, I had just had, my wife was pregnant and we had just had my, our, um, our son, Jesse. Okay. And she, I was, you know, receiving scripts for lots of great shows. I mean, one of them I remember was, you know, Hawaii Five-0, the, the newer version of that. And 
Um, there were, you know, it was like, okay, guaranteed, you know, X amount of episodes, here's what your pay would be. And it's like, holy crap. Now that I know what I'm, you know, what I'm working towards, you know, it put a lot of pressure. But in the end, what I realized is I never, as much as I, I'm an actor at heart and I will always be an actor, I will always be a storyteller. And I'm great at it because I have, I'm open to my emotional scale to provide dimension to characters. The industry of Hollywood was always a turnoff to me. Gotcha. And I think part of me kind of shut that down as well subconsciously um, because that really wasn't my path. It was really, it, it, it's my, it will be part of my life to be an actor and to be a storyteller and to be able to help people heal through telling specific types of stories. And that will come down the road um, again, because it'll just work. I know it'll find its way back when it's ready to, yes. um, but it won't be the focus of my life, right? But it'd be something that, that I get to, to experience and, and connect with and provide healing for others through storytelling, as well as even for myself. And um, so, so how, how do you combine the, the storytelling now with kind of the, the physical things that, that you do in health and uh, how are they intertwined then? Well, I have to let myself, that's a great question. <laughs> I was doing another expletive, but it's, it's a great question, right? Like, how do you do that? You know, well, I'm always telling my own story. Okay. Right? Yes. So that's where I start when I work with clients is whether I'm doing PEMF with them, whether I'm doing personal training or I'm combining that with PEMF, with the energy work, because I always called myself a kind of a holistic body, mind, spirit, you know, I'm not just a fitness trainer. I'm more on the lines of, of a wellness coach, right? Right. Um, is you have to, first of all, be present and in the moment, just like you do as an actor. And you have to sit with where you're at and speak from a place of truth to convey a, a message and a story about your life so that people can feel safe with you and they can trust you. Right, definitely. And, yeah. And I think for me, that's been a real gift um, that I've discovered that within myself is that I have a really good gift at listening um, and helping people feel safe. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and I can use tools from acting to do that. <laughs> right. So what are these, what are these tools then? Let's. Well, well these tools are more like, would that. be more just like specific to acting tools, but you know, you yeah. always have to have an intention. You have to have subtext, right? There's, to, to, so it's not one dimensional, right? So I can tell you, I right. love you, but if my subtext underneath is I'm going to kill you, right? <laughs> or, or, or I hate you because of what you did to me 10 years ago, right? It, that it's going to be expressed differently. So I'll use different tools to help them feel safe. So I will change my breathing patterns to help them feel more relaxed if they're anxious. I will, I won't stand too close to them if I feel like they need that space energetically to feel safe. Um, I'll choose specific adjectives to, um, to help, uh, deliver the message I'm trying to deliver. So that way, when I'm working with somebody, they feel good. And one of the, one of, actually one of my biggest tools, honestly, is my smile and my laughter, you know, right. It just seemed, people always say, you put me at ease when you just smile or you laugh. And <clears throat> sometimes they hate me because they say, you know, you walk in here and I start to cry. I can't hide from you. And I'm <laughs> like, that's amazing. That's a real, that's thank perfect. you. That's a gift that I have that I can help you feel that you can just let go, right? right? And so a lot of times without me even doing any exercises with them, they will get that benefit of some level of healing just by me being in that space with them. Right. Now, do you think this is something it. that has just been completely ignored by modern healthcare and that needs to be integrated? It seems that... People will start saying right off the bat, well, you're just using the placebo effect. And really what you're doing, though, is you're making somebody feel better. And that has a physical consequence, correct? Or am I kind of? No, completely correct. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, I, I changed the word placebo to intention. It's the right. same thing. It is. Yes. Right. Right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a placebo effect. It just has a negative connotation to it. I mean, and the how fact do we that get people to get because, away from that negative connotation about yeah. once again having good thoughts? Yeah, Pl placebo is 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 the most powerful thing that we tool that we have, 
And so, but you can actively, you can activate the placebo with an active intention, which is my, look, you, you know, I, I've, I've, I've worked with people just on the PEMF realm that have musculoskeletal issues that should respond immediately, like first session to my treatments, because I've treated mm -hmm. hundreds of people personally, and I know how people respond, right? But what I've noticed is if you come in with the intention of, well, I've tried everything, this isn't going to work, but I'm doing it because my wife wants me to do it. So I'm here to do it. Those people don't get better, even though physiologically they should, because mm -hmm. I'm creating an environment of, of, of healing and, you know, and blood flow and circulation and all these things that, that I know happen with every person who I <laughs> deal with certain issues. Some people, you know, there's certain issues where, look, David, you know, just with the work that you do, you're not going to help everyone the same way, but you no, will help everybody, mm. but you will help them, right? right? You're a nervous system doctor, right? Like that's one of your primary things that you do in chiropractic and you can line them up, you know, as many times as you want to line them up, right? Um, with an mm -hmm. adjustment, but if they're mentally in a certain place, they can throw out that adjustment within five minutes. Absolutely, they can. Even if they're not doing anything physical to do it, it's just like they're in such dissonance versus resonance, you know, because they're just, um, you know, maybe they're in a victim mentality or they're just angry that day or they, they're trying to prove you wrong, you know, or, the, or even something deeper. It could be a subconscious thing of not allowing themselves to heal because they've gone to many people and they're not getting better. Sometimes practitioners aren't good. That does happen. That is a reality. There are practitioners that are terrible at what they do, no matter how many degrees they have right. or how long they've been doing it. But in, but I'm generalizing here on the sense of what we're talking about, uh, that placebo, you know, effect and intentionality. So I try, right. I, when people say, is this a placebo? I say, well, do you want to get better? They say, yes. I said, then, you know, what? I don't care what's doing it. Exactly. If you're getting better, that's great. You know? yes. But what's yeah. really neat though, is when they are coming to you for one thing, which they think might be a placebo, but then right. other things happen that they don't expect. <laughs> and that's when they know it's not an allopathic version of the term placebo, because right. now something they never expected to change has changed. Yeah, that is so profound. Absolutely. So now that we kind of hit on that intention and positive aspect to, into the healing process, yeah. what's kind of the, the science behind PEMF that you, you keep mentioning here? Sure. So the, the category of PEMF, uh, well, first of all, it stands for pulsed electromagnetic frequency or pulsed electromagnetic fields. Um, there are electromagnetic fields that heal and there are electric magnetic fields that cause lots of problems um, physically and with our nervous system. So some people, you know, go, oh, I don't know about, I don't want a magnetic field against my body. And you're correct. If you're uh, in your home and you have um, stray voltage and harmonics from that stray voltage and you have a a Wi-Fi router running 24 seven in your home, which is, you know, radio frequency um, that, you know, yeah, you, these types of things you, you really don't want to be chronically um, impacted by minute after minute, but you can also take frequencies that are much lower pulse rates. Um, and usually with PEMF, they range from one to 60 Hertz or one cycle per second to 60 cycles per second. And that's okay. usually the range that most of these units will, will work in. And when I mentioned these other, even, you know, um, in even lesser intense magnetic fields can cause a problem. If, again, if your headboard's up against the wall that has, that that's not wired properly, then you can get these fields that can chronically cause some issues, but short-term treatments when you're talking anywhere from, you know, 15 to 30 minutes, even twice a day, um, they actually create a very positive physiological biochemical response. And so what happens at least with, well, there's, Many types of, of units out there, but so I'm going to speak more specifically to the ones that I work with, which are classified as high power generators. What they do is they actually stimulate the cell and they cause the cells to contract and relax with every pulse. Okay. So as they do that, you know, we have different channels along the cell membrane that, um, you know, might not be functioning as well as they should be, but when they're uh, when you stimulate the cell, it allows these channels to open so you have a better removal of waste from the cell and able to bring in nutrients more effectively. And just by nature of doing that, as you, you're moving these ions across the membrane, you're creating your own electromagnetic field. So we are electromagnetic, but we're stimulating that response, primarily in an area of injury, to help where, where the voltage is not where it's designed to be. 
we're trying to improve that voltage. And it's not, we're not trying to improve the voltage within the cell or outside the cell. It's the differential between inside, out, that, outside that cell. And so we, we measure key, that. Yeah. yeah, we measure that in minus yeah. millivolts. So there needs to be a certain range where a healthy cell, you know, operates in. And so we're able to restore that, what they call membrane potential or transmembrane potential. And when that electrical potential finds balance, then everything inside the cell, all the organelles get to work more effectively. And so therefore, thereby you improve cell metabolism. Um, most people focus on the mitochondria, which is fine. It's a major aspect of energy production. And that's why it's focused on, um, but it's not the only hero, but that's the one right. that really, you know, people think, well, the PEMF kind of jump starts the mitochondria. It, it actually doesn't. It's just because the voltage is restored, it can now work more efficiently. And in that case, now the cell makes more ATP for energy, right? Mm -hmm. And then you make a whole cascade of signaling molecules that are that um, get released as responsive, making more ATP. And so now you have better communication between cells and the immune system and things can be heard more effectively. Um, and that, that would be getting into another realm of redox potential and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, so there's a lot of um, downstream effects um, that happen as a result of even though you might be treating, you know, yourself for a bad shoulder, you're actually affecting the entire body, all the cells and how they're working and, and the body's ability to the red blood cells ability to carry more oxygen after a treatment. Um, it helps the pain via the nitric oxide pathway. So you get to dilate the blood vessels and neutralize that pain and inflammation, uh, acute inflammatory response so that somebody can heal more effectively and, and heal faster or manage chronic issues. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, how did you pick all this up in your in your journey here to uh, because if you talk to even a lot of people out in, in the in the healthcare medical field, they are not going to know the in-depth stuff that you just mentioned here on basically the electric potential of the body. Yeah, you know, so I started to understand the basics of the electrical potential um, when I was getting massages and craniosacral work. And I was just look, I'm an avid learner. So I was just curious. And I never realized that there was an electrical potential in our fascia, in our fascia, right? The myofascial right. system. Yes. Um, I think that's called a piezoelectric current. Is that the proper right. term? Uh, the piezo piezoelectric. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, and I knew that because I'd have somebody work on my neck and I'm feeling it my foot. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. You're not on a nerve, right? You're not on an artery. You're not pressing. You're on just the fascia. And they're like, right. well, it's all connected. And there's this extracellular matrix, this, you know, this <laughs> fluid that becomes like a paste. And I was like, wait, what? You know, right. and as we massage yeah. and we move and we manipulate, you know, that it becomes more fluid-like and now you can conduct electricity better. And I was like, oh yeah. Like, you know, just things would kind of hit me and I'd start, start to read. And I just started to look up papers and research and not that I'm good at reading studies because I'm not, I, but I picked up enough things to where I go, okay, I, I have a general understanding of what this is doing. It seems to be very common amongst all the research that these are the general benefits of blood flow and, you know, pain reduction and speeding up healing time. And, and but I'm a little nerdy and I kind of want to get in, the, in there and see well, what, what's actually happening. And right. so I happened to pick up a client of mine for fitness Actually, before he became my client, um, I was introduced to this gentleman um, named Mike Davis, and he's the um, manufacturer of these generators uh, out in Van Nuys, California. And I'd actually got a unit to rent from him before he ever became my client. But because of that, I would just call him and ask him questions and, you know, and he would kind of teach yes. me. And so I started to, you know, teach as I got good at it and uh, knew how to treat people effectively, I started to... Uh, I was given the opportunity by him uh, about five years ago to distribute the units. And so I, I rent them and sell them throughout the United States. And um, I do sell them to Canada and Europe, but I, I can't rent out there, unfortunately. Right, um, yeah. So it makes it harder to do business out there um, as of right now. But it's been, you know, I've been teaching practitioners how to, how to use our devices uh, effectively right. and make sure now, they know. Business-wise, you also uh, dove into more mainstream things kind of during this, this COVID uh uh, crisis as well. Uh, and, uh, you went into the, the, the protective aspect of things, correct? Yeah. I, you know, it was really interesting. Um, but before, um, the world knew what COVID was about two months prior, um, I had a friend that called me from Europe and he said, Hey, I know you're a good connector. You know, people, um, 
I joined forces with a friend of mine who's had a, a personal protective equipment uh, company for about 10 years. And he brought me on because we're trying to get rid of the anti-counterfeit, uh, we're trying to get rid of the counterfeit aspects of the industry. So whether it's, you know, medical tools or PPE or Ferrari brake pads or skincare supplements, you know, as we know, fraud and counterfeit is just a massive part of the industry. So I thought, okay, well, if I can help, you know, bring people into this um, space, you know, maybe we can do something here. And, you know, um, that's what, you know, so I had started to kind of reach out to people on LinkedIn and different relationships that I had. And, um, you know, a lot of even legit companies went out of business during the time because of all the counterfeit that was happening. But uh, to make a, a long story short, I was able to bring in a, a wonderful company from Malaysia that merged with our company. And then we merged with a, another company called Hilton Business Ventures. And so, um, you know, now we're, you know, manufacturing our own product and we have private label with a great, um, one of the top glove, manufa uh, glove manufacturers in the world named Hartalega. Wow. And so we started to, to do that and we're actually just started manufacturing the gloves um, last month. So hmm. we're at the very beginning stages of that. <laughs> and, and that actually has um, a wonderful anti-counterfeit technology connected to it as well. So it can be tracked and traced from, um, from the factory to its end destination. And um, so it's really, we'll, we'll be the, we are, and we are the very first um, company that makes these types of products that has this type of phenomenal anti-counterfeit technology attached to it. So hopefully we'll set the standard for the industry. And nice. Wow. Yeah. Now, basically, if I remember correctly, you kind of took on that career too, because you had to basically make a move from California to where you're at now in Idaho, correct? Yeah. I mean, I didn't have to make the move. I, I chose right. to, <laughs> to make the move. Uh, I wanted a, a better standard of living. I wanted my kid to grow up um, having, you know, being able to play with friends and be outside and have a communal way of being raised and um, not have to worry about, um, you know, some practices that California does that we, we were not in alignment with politically. <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't want to turn off anybody, you know, so I, I won't go into the political side of things, but I just, we wanted more freedom. And so, but I did have to change gears. I kind of, I gave up my, um, my fitness business and my PEMF business as far as treating out there and came out here. And so, um, you know, I have a uh, supplement that I, that I rep as well. And that actually gave me the income uh, to come on out here and, okay. and start over. So um, the, the PPE stuff is in the background. It kind of happens by itself. I don't have to do a whole lot at this point anymore, except kind of see what's, what's going on. And right. um, since I've been here, I've focused on uh, this pro this product technology as well as the PEMF for. Um, okay. So my, what's this uh, product technology now? What's the the new one with the supplements? Yeah. The, so I, I've actually been using it with clients for several years. I just never um, promoted it as a as a business for myself because you know, I just mm -hmm. didn't need to. But um, I'm glad I did you know, because of the whole you know COVID shutdown thing. I was unable to work and bringing an income and I was blowing through a lot of money uh, every month right just trying to keep things afloat. California, especially Los Angeles is very expensive. Um, but I, it is a technology that is, um, contains what are called stabilized redox signaling molecules. And there are okay. 16 different sets of molecules that we make in our own body. They're native to our body. Uh, but as we age, we make less. So if we can supplement back, the exact same sets of molecules in the right balance, and we can raise our levels back up to like we were when we were younger, then you improve that communication network. So as I was mentioning before with PEMF, one of the byproducts of more ATP production is you make these redox signaling molecules. Well, this is what I was talking about. So um, the, the one that everyone will be familiar with that we make uh, is called hydrogen peroxide. So hydrogen peroxide and other peroxides would be one class of the 16 classes of molecules that are stabilized there. Right. And so I'm able to give people the ability for their bodies to repair itself more effectively. Um, and I can do that for people, whether it's contraindications to the PEMF or in addition to the PEMF to um, cover other areas because 
our body does use these molecules in every system, whether it be neurological, cardiovascular, musculoskeletal, pancreas, doesn't matter. All the cells right. make these molecules. And so when you drink it systemically, it, it, it'll go where your body needs it to go. So, you know, I can work with somebody on, um, you know, angina or chest pain with PEMF, or I can work with them on AFib, but it's not going to um, be enough to like repair or, you know, reverse or slow damage down, right? It can help some of the repair of some, from some of the damage of the inflammatory cascade, but you're not going to reverse heart disease. You're not going to reverse lots of things like, you know, uh, a bad pancreas. You can help liver enzymes, which you're not necessarily, you'll help some level repair, but you can't completely do it. So by supplying your body with these molecules, your body has the an abundance of them. Your body has the ability to, to do better. So if you're having blood sugar issues, it can help you with that. If you are having cardiovascular or arterial elasticity issues, it can help there. Um, stroke recovery, you know, people have been um, able to just improve their quality of life. So, you know, I don't want to have to be very careful, um, you know, about how I talk about things because right. you know, the but, product but doesn't But basically matter. this is one of those things that can be taken that are going to more than likely help improve some of the metabolic pathways in, in the human body. Yes. The First metabolic, we, we do have evidence to support right. these pathways or they call them gene pathways. And so one of the, those pathways is, you know, brain derived neurotropic factor. It has an effect on that um, serotonin receptors, you know, serotonin production, circadian rhythm pathways, um, you know, spinal cord injury pathways. There's a, lo a lot of pathways. And so we, we have evidence to support that um, it improves positive gene expression 20 to 31% in five genes. And those five genes have more than 70 pathways. Wow. So if you can improve, you know, on that above the gene level, right. And how they're expressing themselves and the body has a chance to find balance. So the, the product does not treat cure or you know, intended to heal any disease or condition. Um, but if, but if the cells can find balance and the genes can express properly and the proteins can unfold properly, you know, then the body has a chance to do some of its own repair and it's Absolutely. pretty beautiful to see the benefits that um, I'm seeing. So, you know, this health and wellness space is really big for me and between this, and there's a topical version of the technology as well. It's not just an oral systemic. There's, if you want to do topical direct for, you know, discomfort, you know, in the body, whether it be from nerves or musculoskeletal, you can use it that way as well, as well as for, you know, anti-aging beautification, which is the least important aspect of it in my opinion, <laughs> but you know, it doesn't hurt to look good. Yeah, that's, right. that's for sure. And for everyone <laughs> listening and can't see, Sean is looking like a 20 year old. <laughs> <laughs> I try, I try, <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun with the, between the PEMF and this, uh, redox technology. Um, it's been pretty, pretty awesome. And that is an amazing journey. And yeah. what, what I find really fascinating is once again, how great you are at linking things together from basically once again, the, the intention aspect of things to once again, kind of the science of different physical products or modalities that can, once again, improve health, regardless yeah. of condition people have. Uh, there, there are aspects where you can improve that condition and not just look to stabilize where you're at. You can start yeah. to increase the function of actual healing within the, within the body and, and improve your current condition. And, uh, yeah. I think that gives a lot of people a lot of avenues to start to look into. Uh, is there kind of one thing, not to limit it to one thing, of course, that you'd like to leave everyone with right now? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say the most important thing that you can do for yourself is to get quiet every day, even if it's just for five to 10 minutes be with yourself and just be present with your breath. Allow things to reveal themselves that maybe need to be revealed. Um, it could be as simple as, wow, you know, I really judged my wife in this moment or I snapped at my son. And to take that moment to for some self-forgiveness and some introspection. And um, if we don't do this, what I, I've noticed is that it becomes cumulative and these things start to build up in our system, these little, I call them micro traumas. And 
Um, I think if we're able to do that, to be present with ourselves and to recognize where we falter, not judge ourselves for it, or at least be able to, if you do judge yourself, which is fine, to be able to release that judgment, um, we're all going to be a lot healthier mentally, physically, emotionally. And, um, you know, it's okay to make mistakes, to know that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to quote unquote fail because it's through our failures that we learn. And hopefully through my journey that I've shared with you, something will get triggered, a picture, an emotion, something that you're ready to let go of or to take a look at right. and forgive yourself for. So yeah, that's, I think that's uh, a, and a very important aspect of life for everyone, even to teach our kids to do that. Yeah, I love that. Thank, thanks for sharing, Sean. Now, if anyone wanted to get a hold of you or find out more about the things you're doing, how would they do that? Sure. They can um, reach out to me at Sean. Uh, so my website is SeanDrebin.com, S-H-A-W-N-D like David, R-E-B like boy, E-N, SeanDrebin.com. That's primarily focused on the magnetic field therapy that I do in regards to the uh, redox technology, you can email me at sean at seandrebin.com. Actually, you can email me in regards to PEMF or the redox technology there, and I'd be more than happy to um, get you more information so you can learn to see if either of these technologies are ideal for yourself or a family member. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your time and thank you for once again, the, the valuable lessons and knowledge that you bring and experience and for everyone staying tuned. Stay tuned for the next Hardy Brain episode, taking athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforming them into ironclad brain performers. We will see you next time. Thank you.